live A-C-U. from the ACU of Texas Studios. This is the Clear Lake Today Podcast Network. What is up? Welcome on in. You are listening to Wildcard Sports on Clear Lake Today Radio. I am your host as always, Will, back in the studio. Finally, no more quarantine specials, no more of those raw sounds from home. Man, that was pretty bad. But you know what? Hey, we're here. I'm here with my awesome co-host here, the Suburban Menace. Evan, we're not getting Steven back apparently till mid-June. Uh, Chuck's got a, 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 a what do you say, a, a orthodontist appointment or something like that. So you know what? I, I think both of them sound a little scared to brave the elements and coming out here with I, us. I think they've got a little coronavirus fear that's keeping them at home right now, Will. But yeah. you know, some the show must go on. Exactly. The bravery we are for, here the people. for the people. Exactly. And, and and you know, it's like it's like sports coming back. Maybe it's not the best move, but it's it's about the morale of the rest of the public. Exactly. Will, you know, we don't have to think too hard about this. But you know what? We're back here in the studios. I you know I'm not even listening, but I. I can hear how great the quality is going to be of this audio, Evan. Man, uh, you know those uh, those quarantine specials from home were rough. We right? had a call, yeah. You know, there's a little less proofreading. There was a little bit more alcohol involved, which I think probably led to worse podcast. And here we are. We're back in the in the professional also, setting. Also, and we have a certain person here who liked to type as loud as he possibly could on the computer next you know, to when, next to the the microphone that wasn't that great. I think he's referring to me. No, oh yeah, I was talking. I was talking yeah. to Evan. No, th- these mics are great, Greg. You're over there. <laughs> type away, Greg. You can't even hear that. I'm no. talking about Evan here. We got a we got a there were some janky, technical difficulties we've got a without janky you. We really microphone needed you as it is. Gone. And then we've got Evan. He's like, Well, let me look this up. I click, didn't do my click, research. Click, 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 you know I'm a man of analytics. What oh, am I supposed man, to do? It was awful. Just absolutely awful. But you know what? We're back here in the studio. Uh, about twenty pounds heavier. I don't know about you, Evan, but I man, <laughs> I just I let myself go, man. What happened? Hey, you know, hey, another it reason for hard. another it reason hard. for sports to be back. You know, you sweated out on the couch there watching the games. And, uh, you know, man. Well, what, hey, we got we got a little bit. I'm not going to say we got a lot to get to, but we got a little bit that we can get to today. A lot of stuff headlining the sports world today. Uh, of course, talks Evan are beginning. We're not the only ones getting back in it, or at least talking to get back in it. Talks are beginning for sports to ramp up uh, for them to return. Uh, becoming more optimistic for the NBA to come back, which that thought, which about a month ago we thought might not be possible. Uh, the surprising news that we've got out of all this, MLB, really the ones that are looking like it's going to be tough for them to come back. But you know what? Hey, if if you haven't been caught up, we'll go ahead and catch you up here. Of course, NBA players this past week had a conference call with 10 of the most important players or what a lot of people deem as the most important players in the NBA. Had a conversation. Uh, looks like they're all on a united front. NBA wants to return, um, have some type of playoff, some type of conclusion. Um, so NBA hasn't really worked out the logistical plan of how they're going to return to action, but players support is huge and they're going to be back. But on the flip side, you've got the MLB, Evan, the MLB seems to have a logistical plan. The owners approve a plan for baseball to come back. Uh, we'll dive into that, what that plan is a little bit later on, but it doesn't seem like they've got the players support on this one. So let's start with this. The fact is both MLB and NBA stand to lose at least, let's say, 40% of their revenues just from concessions, fans, tickets alone. So uh, with no attendance, uh, with no attendance, and the MLB is standing firm on that they're going to get the pro there that the players want the prorated salary despite it being completely unfeasible at this point. So is this? You think this is the MLB Players Association? You know, kind of holding their cards close to their chest, saying, you know, we're all, we're going to want as much money as possible. Or are we really talking about not having a baseball season this year? I, they're not going to let it go that far, right? I mean, I I think there's no way that the MLB players don't get on the field at some point this year. Um, 
And I just don't understand kind of where it doesn't seem like there's a game plan for any of this, right? Like everything's off playbook. So what what happens to these player contracts that are already in the works? Like if we're if we were theoretically to skip the MLB season this year, what position would player salaries be in? And I don't know the answer to that question. I was researching it earlier, and I, I literally couldn't find the answer. Well, I mean, I think the assumption is, I, obviously, guys that were going to be free agents in the offseason, they're still going to be free agents. I mean, I, I don't think they're still going to get paid. I mean, there there's a certain aspect of MLB salaries uh, that are guaranteed, uh, and I think those are going to stay the same. But the fact is, yeah, those players are going to be one more year, one year closer to free agency. You look at guys like George Springer, they're going to be eligible for free agency. But once MLB returns and has a full 162-game slate, like, hopefully they're expecting to have not this year but next year then salary should return to normal after that but you're right we are in uncharted water i mean there, there's no clause in any of these things that that account for having a, a global pandemic and and to kind of break down what the mlb is trying to do uh, i read some of the details on it but i'm sure you have more information for the listeners um it's an 81 game season 82, or I know 81, 82 81, 81 games, games yeah and they're looking to split player revenue with the ownership yes, right 50, so it's, 50. it's so it's is it a different is this all the contracts are thrown out the window and every player is getting a similar revenue as all the other players or how do you think they're going to kind of divide that up well that's the way the verbiage looked to me whenever i was reading up on it yeah i mean i, I honestly uh, the 50 50 i mean because the fact is with these negotiations between the owners there hasn't even been a conversation between the mlb players association and the owners yet the only thing they've talked about is of course the safe league safety mm. this is just the proposed plan by by uh, MLB and that's a good question I mean because we really don't have all the facts on it other than we know it's a 50-50 and I'm sure that's going to you know be dispersed unevenly between the players depending on who's getting the salary because there's no Which way sounds completely reasonable like as that right like I mean from it the outside does. looking in if, if you're the owners and you want to move this thing forward it's like look guys there's going to be less of the pie let's put it equally whatever that pie ends up being and that sounds like a good starting point from the outside looking in, at least. Yeah, no, it, so. it does. I mean, at least from our perspective. But I guess the question you have to ask is, if you're the players, I mean, how much does that money amount to? I mean, we, are, we already said that MLB is losing 40% of their revenues on attendance alone. That's not including everything else as far as the lost 82 games that they have. Obviously, the TV deals are still in place. But are, it's the question of whether these players are going to want to come back, what, if they're going to want to play under the circumstances uh, for less money. And you've already seen guys like Blake Snell come out, uh, you know, the Cy Young pitcher from two years ago for the for the Tampa Bay Rays. He already said, there's no way I'm coming back for a pay cut to play during all this. You've got guys like Sean Doolittle, the closer for the Washington Nationals, who has a wife with underlying health conditions. And there's just a lot of these guys that I don't think are willing to do that. But to what you're saying, if you're the owners, I mean, this seems about as good a proposal as you can offer outside of them being saying, hey, well, let's lose money just to bring back sports. And I and I can't imagine they get out there without inadequate testing. Or I find it hard to believe that Major League Baseball or any other professional sport is going to take the media hit that they would take if someone were to get reinfected mm -hmm. or if this were to become an issue. So, you know, and the UFC has been going on. They haven't had any issues yet. Or if they have, they haven't become public. And I would imagine the MLB as far as sports go, where it's kind of easy to keep people separated and to not spread physically, you know, six feet rule and everything else that we preach to the public, like basketball, football, you're having constant contact mm -hmm. between all players on the field. Baseball is a little bit more spread besides touching the ball and throwing it to each other. Mm -hmm. It just feels like the contagion level is a little bit lower to me. And it feels like 
you're going to be able to do testing between games. Like they're not going to push forward with this thing until they can test every single MLB player, right? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and that's going to lead to another question. We're, we got to talk about the logistics of them testing twice a week. I mean, that that alone right there seems like one of the most unfeasible pro, uh, po, or unfeasible see, things that and, they, and that's that what these I don't understand either because it's 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 been a budgetary reason, right? That we can't get all these tests to these exactly. people for forever. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to think the revenue that the MLB will generate. They'll be able to afford these tests, yeah, man. I, I can't imagine that. The, like, this is the ultimate holdup. The MLB doesn't have enough money to get these tests or to create new. They could build. Not, yeah. They could build a laboratory, hire scientists to to make more tests and test them in house. Okay, like ESPN could have a facility on site. Okay, but then let's talk about the or ramifications. MLB. I mean, there's people in the frontline workers. There's people in America that don't have access to testing. So how is that going to be received I, by it, the public it, it, well, for them to have tens of thousands of tests for these players and not? Not only are they being tested once they're being tested multiple times a week i mean it's the income they have to do that it's the income and generation i think i think you know if you look at the mlb is going to bring in tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars maybe the mlb will set something up to you know donate a portion of the funds but then again, if the players are already crying about only getting 50% of the revenue, I'm, is there room for coronavirus charity money in there too? Exactly. I mean, you know? so. right now we're talking about, you know, 50-50 uh, revenue split, which for, from all indications, if you look at any of these players, that's not going to happen. That yeah. is absolutely the players are not going to return under that. So we're talking about even more money going to the players. Uh, you know, we already said all the money that's going to be lost by no fans in the stadiums and already losing half a season mm -hmm. for baseball. You know, how much money does is MLB going to actually have? And at I mean, what point if, is if it you, not going to be worth it for them to bring it back? If you don't play at zero. So anything more than zero should be worth it. You well, know? Yeah, like, but the I fact mean, is that the MLB right now, so if, if the players are getting what they want, the players want a prorated salary. If you look at it, if the players got a prorated salary based on an 82-game season, the MLB owners would be losing money. And well, there's no way you're going to convince me that these guys are going to put a product out there that they're going to lose money on just for the American public. No, I don't I, think the, I don't think these are really great no, guys I, that we're talking no, I, about. I buy it, but at the same time, I think I think is is the long term effect of that going to be worth it financially for them? What kind of stain on baseball does this put if players don't come back and play? Do, do does the public lose interest if other sports start to come I back and baseball doesn't fill that gap? No, I don't I think just, so. I think there's a lot of different areas you can get hit, and I think the the adverse the other side of that is definitely worth pushing. I, I think I think that the testing, like people talk about the financial and the moral reasons you shouldn't do the tests of, it's gonna take thousands of tests throughout the year, it's gonna cost millions of dollars, but the generated income and revenue that the MLB is going to create is going to far surpass that. And I think if they really pencil this down and look at the numbers for things, the owners and the players are gonna come to some sort of agreement that covers both sides financially, that they're both gonna make some sort of money on. And at the end of the day, I think the MLB players wanna play. Like, like they're going, well, that's like most, the question, yeah. most of them want to play. They enjoy the sport of baseball and they also, that the, the extra millions of dollars they get is a nice little icing on the cake for them. Yeah, so, but I mean, I think, the, for, and if it's a couple people who have to sit out, I don't think it's going to drive the season. Like, like you said, with the preexisting conditions of the family members and other things, if you got to sit out, you got to sit out, but I don't think it's going to completely halt the MLB season. I just, I can't see it happening. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what the answer is going to be, but I mean, I just look at some of these guys that, you know, are still under team control that haven't re don't, that aren't, aren't playing for $30 million a year. They're not Justin Verlander, but these guys that are in the first two years of their contract where, uh, you know, the team's basically deciding how much they make i mean how much how is it going to be worth it for those guys to go out there and put it on the line for you know obviously going to be less than less than a million dollars for for certain for them and i mean 
I, I don't know. I just question whether or not these these players are going to be willing to come back. And we've already seen guys, like I said, Blake Snell. Uh, Bryce Harper reiterated what he said with, with Blake Snell, ba- basically backing him up. So I think there's a lot of players that are going to really going to have to take into question whether or not it's worth it for them to return. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the question is, but I, I can tell you this much. The MLB seems a lot further off than any other sport at this point that you know, as far as getting back on the field. Do you think there's a better odds they don't have a season or that they'll play with a select amount of players and start bringing people up from, you know, man, from, see, I, I'm just, from, I'm from the, AAA and yeah. everything else. I mean, I'm the eternal optimist here. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I think MLB is going to find a way to, for this to happen. And I think we're, we're in the very preliminary talks of, MLB coming back. This was the first proposed plan. So, you know, I think if you're the MLB Players Association, it behooves you when it comes to the money aspect of it to take a stance in the media before even talking to the owners to say, hey, well, we're not a fan of that. We want our money. But the the thing that makes baseball different from any other sport, whether it's NBA or NFL, there's no salary cap. You know, there's no salary cap. And so what the Players Association is looking at with this 50-50 revenue split is they're saying, well, you're putting a salary cap on us. And so I I don't know if they're afraid of the precedents or if they just don't like the idea of having some type of salary cap on them. And I just read a couple articles on this, but I I do remember the MLB, the association who went to the Players Association came out and said, this is a temporary solution and there's no minimum salary or maximum salary cap. This isn't going to be instituted Mm -hmm. as an idea to go forward. And at the end of the day, like everyone's making sacrifices. Everyone's making, you know, they're, everyone's differing what they would normally do in making, I can't think of the word. Um, they're, they're making exceptions to their normal course of their daily yeah. lives, right? And MLB players need to get on board. I mean, Justin Verlander, you can't make $30 million this year, but it's got to be $5 million or whatever it's going to be. So, like, and I, I think if you start And it's to, easy enough for if, those guys, but it's well, the lower level guys. Well, then if you trim from the top, man, it should be easy enough to distribute that, right? I mean, like, between that and AAA players, I just find it hard to believe no one's going to step up and play. It's just where do you draw the line on some of these salaries? It, and how long does this all take? Like, yeah. that's the other interesting thing is that the MLB was the first one to come out and set a date to return and then you backpedal and you don't have any of these other steps in line. That's mm-hmm. that's the other interesting part of this. Yeah, and I mean the other thing that the other thing that really set the MLB back is back in March when things seemed a lot more optimistic because the date was so far off. I mean, now we're kind of getting to the crunch time of when sports needs to get get back, but back in March, you know, MLB pretty much said that, you know, players would receive a prorated salary. And so the MLB Players Association has held on to that, the idea that they're going to get a prorated salary. So, you know, again, they haven't talked to the players yet. The players and owners haven't negotiated yet as far as the salary goes. The only preliminary talks, which I think was just yesterday, was basically on the health concerns of the players. You know, MLB assuring them that they would be tested multiple times a week, uh, that guys aren't going to be aren't guys aren't going to be expected to necessarily go out there if they're uncomfortable with this they don't have to go out there so you know this could be the MLB Players Association holding their cards close to their chest and saying you know obviously we're not going to give it and say from the outside oh that looks good and give the give the owners any type of leverage that being said you know the the thing I wonder about all this is you know we talked about this I guess it's been a couple months now I mean this time time has flown by but. Uh, the thing we talked about in the in uh, you know the last few months is with the Astros scandal. I wonder how how this is going to play effect into it because think about this. We talked about how there is a disconnect between the MLB Players Association and the players and the owners at this point. So obviously, right now the MLB Players Association and owners have to come together in a in a way that they haven't come together in in MLB history, at least that we've seen. So 
obviously there's a lot of distrust on both sides the mlb players association wanted to see astros guys punished and obviously uh owner or the commissioner had a lot of disconnect disconnect between them so it makes me wonder if there's going to be any type of you know hesitancy on either side whether or not there's some distrust and i wonder if that's going to add to the fact that we might not have an mob baseball season this year nah, dude nothing like a pandemic to make you forget a cheating scandal that's all i gotta say but, i mean it's just it's heard, the no, disconnect dude. it's the it's the level of distrust that they're gonna have on each side i think I, the straw that broke the camel's back usually doesn't come before the camel's back breaking will like we had we had this small little incident and then this is huge this is so much bigger than that i think i i, I don't know if they if they were going to have problems before that where the distrust and other things would build before for them not to come in agreement on something like this i i i don't think it matters okay all i'm saying is look at you got tony clark who's the head of the mlb players association so he's the one that took a firm stance with the astros and said there is absolutely under no circumstances are you going to be allowed to suspend any of the players for this well it comes out afterwards that players across the league wanted the astros to be suspended so tony clark's kind of sitting there being like all right well i kind of champion the astros not getting suspended for this but at the same time, the guys that I'm representing wanted me to do something different. So maybe this is an opportunity, or Tony Clark sees this as an opportunity for him to go out there and be like, well, I'm gonna be a champion for the players on this one and make sure that every single player uh, is happy with whatever whatever notion we have to return. So I don't know, I just, I think that's a thing to keep an eye, keep an eye on. But I think the owners are already willing to play ball. And that's what you've seen with this revenue agreement that's come out. Like, and it, like it sounds so much, that, the 50-50 revenue split sounds like so much more benefit to the players than they were getting prior to. Like, like it doesn't sound like anyone else is willing to come out with any sort of stance like that where we're like, hey, we'll split up the actual dollar amount we make with the players. Like, and and there, there are plenty of billionaire owners, and there's not a lot of billionaire players, mm-hmm. and that's why. Like, I mean, this is always how it works. The biggest cut always goes to the guy at the top, and now they came out with a more socialistic plan that should work for the MLB and the players don't want to get behind it. So that's, that's what I'm having trouble with. And I don't think that the owners are going to make any more concessions than they already have. And I think eventually the players will be like, okay, like we're going to get this done. It's just the shock value of seeing your salary go from 10 million to 1 million. Yeah. So, I, I mean, obviously, um, like I said earlier, I, the eternal optimist, optimist in me says that we're going to have a baseball season this year. But at the same time, I just, I, I would not be shocked if we're three or four months down the road and we don't have a baseball season. So it's a possibility at this point. And you're probably going to get to this, but bless Adam Silver, man. Uh, I mean, they're uh, like, this is the most communication I've heard out of a a professional Mm -hmm. sports organization in forever. And the NBA, like from all things considered, I don't know if it's Chris Paul doing a good job or any of those other players who are kind of at the horn making these calls Mm -hmm. with Adam, but... There, it seems like communication's gone well, and they're going to do what it takes to get the NBA season back. Yeah, online, I mean, we'll, so. we'll definitely we're going to get into dive into the NBA. I mean, I, the thing you got to respect about the NBA is, you know, it, it it's for the longest time the NBA has been a players driven league. I mean, the the guys the the players are the 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 people that get the ball rolling instead of the owners or anybody like that so credit to them they've taken the initiative on this one the players had that phone call they said that they wanted they had a united front they want to get behind it and they want to return but yeah i mean we're we're going to talk about that and i mean obviously credit to him and adam silver i mean they're i I don't even know who who the or who the mlb powers it be would be who would be on that phone call with the players but it feels like this it feels like there's communication here and then communication here with the players and then like there's one voice talking and then they're kind of figuring out what's going on and sending it back mm-hmm. rather than being a full a conference call conversation like there appears to be in the nba where mm-hmm. everyone's voicing what they think are the issues are and kind of forming a solution together 
And I think, like you said, there's just some sort of barrier between these couple divisions in the MLB that require to get the wheels moving on yeah. this thing. So. I mean, I mean, the, and the thing you got to realize too, I mean, NBA is so much further into their season. I mean, I, I don't know who it behooves more to return, whether it's the NBA or MLB, at least from a financial aspect. But the fact is, the NBA is just looking to conclude their season versus the MLB is looking to fully start a season and ha- and go through the playoffs at this point. So, you know, we talk about that. I mean, obviously, the logistics to return, you know, the 82 game schedule uh for baseball uh the all the games are going to be interdivisional and uh, cross-divisional at least on the other leagues so that means astros would match up with the likes of the dodgers which would make for some interesting television Uh, obviously no fan no fans in the stands to be upset but uh two additional playoff teams and obviously that's crazy too what do you what do you think the reasoning is behind that I, i mean i think just because there's half a season and anytime with baseball there's always a team that gets hot late in the season that always seems to overtake so i think it's just to give more more teams a a chance in the playoffs i don't know what that extra two playoff teams are going to look like but obviously we're talking about a 14 team playoff the thing that's crazy to me is the home stadiums obviously uh you know nba doesn't have a whole lot of logistics but of course versus the nba no having no logistical plan outside of the idea of what they're calling the campus idea where all the games are going to be played in orlando or las vegas Mm -hmm. so a lot of that's crazy but i mean so, you know, obviously both of these plans are contingent on them acquiring tens of thousands of testing kits, uh, lots of different things. It but feels doable though to me. It really does. I don't, I, I just, I just don't understand how you can justify how they're going to be able to justify them acquiring all these tests. If there are still, you know, workers on the front lines, cities in America that need these make, tests. Make your split 45, 45, 10 and put 10% back to coronavirus charity. And I guarantee you that 10% revenue will out way the money that they spend on new testing kits like i they're these are billion dollar corporations man they, they generate ridiculous amounts of money and they give ridiculous amounts of money to charity every year so that they don't pay taxes mm-hmm. but like you know it's uh, they make enough money for the american economy to give it back i think and, I, and that is going to absolve any sort of bad press they get from doing this on the testing side that's my opinion on it um I think that's the smallest of barriers. I think like the the conversations on revenue and everything else between the players and the owners is going to be if there is a hold up, what causes it? I, I mean, I think you underestimate. I mean, the amount of money that they're going to be losing and the amount of money that it's going to cost to get these tests up and running. I mean, there's going to have to be physicians there. I mean, twenty four seven. Obviously, these these guys are going to have to get tested you know two three times a week after each game likely and i just think that's going to be a lot of there's money. already doctors on site i'm not saying there's it, already there's already I'm not saying you know? it can't happen i'm just saying if there's other people in america on the front lines of this that where tests are needed how are they going to justify to the public that oh well we're giving these players you know tests two and three times a week and on top of that paying a millions of dollars so. generate revenue okay. i think i think you know well that's the question is how much they're going to revenue in. But, okay, so here's the other question. Obviously, uh, you know, the NBA has an advantage here over the MLB. Obviously, there's going to be a lot less games. And, I mean, there's, what, half half as many players in the NBA as there are going to be in the MLB. So the question is, I mean, obviously, they are preparing for this. But what happens the first time somebody tests positive for the coronavirus? I mean, are we talking about a full-fledged shutdown again? I mean, that's the other aspect that I don't think people are looking at with this. No, yeah. I, what, if, what if you get into the NBA finals and LeBron James tests his pos- test exactly. positive for coronavirus? It's I don't know, man. But when do you, when does it stop? Too, you know. You talk about second waves. You talk about like and it's the same conversation of the economy. No one has these answers of when is it time to go back. But you got to you got to push it at some time, right? Like, and I think you know, world class athletes who aren't at a real risk of suffering any major health effects or long lasting health effects is a pretty good place to start. So I mean. I, 
I, I, I don't think anyone's going to pass away on an NBA court, is what I'm saying. No, I like, agree. If someone gets sick, maybe you you got to cross that bridge when you come to And, it. I mean, the other thing, I mean, think about how many coaches. I mean, Mike D'Antoni, Greg Popovich, those are the two oldest coaches in the NBA. It's not that we're just talking about healthy 20- and 30-year-old players out there that are in their physical prime that aren't necessarily the most at-risk population for the coronavirus. But at the same time, you look at the sidelines, trainers, coaches, there are plenty of at-risk population people out there on the sidelines and I mean that's another aspect that you have to you have to take into account how many of these coaches are going to be willing to return or how many of them are going to be hesitating saying hey I'm not sure I want to come back it's, hey money money does money does terrible and wonderful things and I think it'll put Greg Popovich on the sidelines <laughs> and Mike D'Antoni on the sidelines but then again you know it's the same thing we have these standard we have these um I don't want to call them barriers we have stuff set up to prevent infections from spreading right Again, I mean, they're going through, I think that the MLB, every sports organization is going to do everything in their power to stop the spread of infections among their staff and everything else. And if businesses are opening in the U.S. already, bars are opening across the country, it's going to happen. Like, that, you know, that, I like, so. I mean, obviously it's, it's good in theory, but I mean, and again, I know MLB, I know NBA are planning for content or have contingency plans if there is an outbreak. And so I'm sure that not one positive, if there's one positive test, it's not going to shut the league down. But at the same time, at what, what is the limit, you know, four, five players at, at what point, it's a good question. at what point yeah, are, they, are they saying, well, we got to shut this down. Yeah. If they have two teams playing, all of them have coronavirus. Exactly. I yeah, mean, at no, what I'm point are they going to have to shut all this down? And I mean, this is just, these are the questions that we, I don't think we really looked at you know two two months ago or whenever this started we just said okay well we just got to get to a certain date but now we're really having to get into the logistical yeah. uh problems of what it would mean to bring back these sports are you going to touch on college or is that even worth oh it? i mean i there's no way there, right? yeah, college I, is the one that i'm like you got to send these kids on campus exactly like you got there's just so much fraternizing throughout mm -hmm. the week and there's like you're dealing with kids who aren't getting paid I think there's no way. College yeah, I think, back. I, I, I think I think we college, college sports, sports is absolutely 2020, yeah. 2021. There's yeah, it's no the one that's at the most risk. I mean, if we're talking about just the pure experiences, not I'm not saying that if it was if it was possible that college sports wouldn't play in front of no crowds. But I mean, the pageantry, all of that's going to be gone. Uh, no kids on campus. Yeah. I mean, how, well, how do you let a student athlete go play a game on Friday and not let them go to class the next? Exactly. Week, yeah. Know? I mean, so. I, I think I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think we're talking about college sports until next year, uh, which is unfortunate, but it's I mean, darn it's shame, just, dude. Yeah, that's, that is such a sad thing to think about. Cause it it's is. like, there's this hope that's alive with all these other professional sports. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's just not there with college sports, which is a, it's a, what am I going to do on Saturday? Yeah. You know? I mean, you like, still have, you know, conferences that are optimistic. I mean, the SEC, I think, came out and made a firm stance that they are going to at least play their conference schedule come, you know, come spring or, or whenever, whenever the season's going to start up. So, uh, you know, it's just it's hard to envision that happening. But at the same time, if you are Alabama and you're Auburn, I mean, we talk about it like it's unfeasible. But at the same time, those are pretty much professional sports well, organizations. And, but once, I mean, kind of to drive behind that point, once football ends, once football's out, everything else is out in college because mm -hmm. football funds all those other college sports programs. It's and true. I, and there's it's there's not going to be March Madness. There's, I mean, we're what ten months away from that, I suppose. But yeah, I just, I don't see it getting better to the point where students are on campus. Think about how many you, we talk about the small little boxes we have to click for professional sports. Mm -hmm. That list is exponentially larger with college. Yeah, and I just don't see it getting back. Like, I think, I think we're summer 2021 before we see another or 
fall 2021 until we see college sports. Oh, I, I, yeah, I'm with you 100 percent on that one. I, I really don't think, it, at the very least, I think best case scenario for college sports is you see it completely regionalized. So by that I mean these conferences. You see, you you get Alabama, Auburn. You get Texas versus uh, Texas Tech and other Big 12 opponents. Uh, you know, Pac-12 maybe get USC versus uh, UCLA, but. You know these matchups that we're we're trying to say where Alabama is going to go play in the in the Cotton Bowl Classic in Dallas first yep. game of the year. Those nope. th- no, those are not going to happen. You're not going to see these inter conference games, and I really am not sure you're going to see any type of college football playoff or anything. So I think best case scenario for college sports at this point is you get a little bit of conference action, uh, which even that seems like something that might be unreasonable to ask. But back to it. I mean, of course, you know the 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 sport that is probably got the most pressing timeline as far as what they need to get done the NBA. So, you know, we said the the NBA has the biggest progress when it comes or has made the most progress when it comes to returning because they have the players support behind them. But the thing they don't have is a logistical plan to come back. So, you know, there's been a lot of ideas floated out there about what what the NBA return would look like. So I want to ask you, I mean, you, you've heard the one team elimination possibilities for the playoffs. Uh, obviously, there's got to be some type of regular season. But I mean, what is the most logical thing to happen for the NBA to come back? Is it to play do maybe a, a few games in the season and then have the regular playoffs? Yeah, or or I mean, do they shorten the playoffs by any? I, I think you do both. I think you come back and you maybe play five, 10 games to get players back into the swing of things. And then uh, you just continue on with maybe first round five game series, second round five game series. Like obviously, by the time you get 10 games in, I think you'll have more data to work off of. Um, but no, I like you said, I think you're in the middle of a season. You've got to do what you can to end it as quickly as possible. I would have no problem with them jumping right into a 16-game playoff, mm-hmm. but that's because the Rockets are in the playoffs. I'm sure there's a lot of yeah, teams. Yeah, if, if you're a team on the yeah. outside looking in, you just know, barely, you're going to be If you have someone on the 9 seed or 10 seed, you're, you're probably pretty upset about that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, it does mitigate risk. All of a sudden, you eliminate... I guess 16 out of 30 teams make it. So you will eliminate almost 50% of basketball players, which is a lot of risk you just mitigated with that one move. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks doable, you know? Like, I, I mean, do the math on it. 16 players, maybe seven, eight guys play. 100 players, you can you can manage 100 guys, I think. Yeah, I mean, It's a lot simpler than going all the way with it. So. it exactly. I mean, that, that's the one thing that the NBA's got going for them versus any other sport. I mean, less players... And at the same time, they're trying to conclude their season instead of trying to start up a season and have a playoffs, go through the full-fledged act of everything yeah. there. So, uh, But, I mean, at the same time, as far as the logistical plan goes behind it, I mean, the NBA is doing the right thing, at least as far as getting the player support uh, behind them first before they're even diving into that logistical talks. But it does seem like the NBA has got their their mindset set on uh you know the campus idea everybody's going to las vegas everybody's going to orlando one of these cities all playing under the bubble uh so you know obviously i i think that's good for the nba but man i you know daryl morey tweeted this out yesterday in response to the idea of a one uh, you know, a one-game elimination. He said that the the Rockets would be destined to win that one-game elimination because Houston titles are already already marred by asterisks between 2017 yeah. the 2017 World Series for the Astros. Even if you go back to the Rockets champion yeah, they, championships, the no Jordan Michael asterisk, Jordan. Yep. Yeah, no Michael Jordan. That's so true. Daryl Morey came out there. I don't know. If it was a little underhanded shot at the Astros, but said they're destined to win it. But it got me thinking. It was like, man. 
you know, as hated as the Rockets are, um, could you imagine the backlash the NBA would get if the Rockets won a title on a one-game elimination playoff? The playoffs? Simmons and Rasul podcast. That was they, like the first thing. Yeah, that. it was yeah. like it was like. So who would be your most hated person to oh. win a one-game series? And Simmons is like, don't even ask me that question. <laughs> it's like, got to be the yeah, He's such a hater, Rockets, man. It's yeah. so it's so perfect. That's got that. But, that's perfect. Because no, but I, the campus idea works great, dude. Explain to me one reason why the campus idea doesn't work. Well, I mean, you're pulling players away from their families for a month at a time. I mean, that, that was their families. That, like a, you've got the money to do it, man. That's what I'm saying. But like, then you're just putting more people at risk. You're 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 elevating the risk by bringing these people that are possibly contagious, asymptomatic. I mean, there's a lot of added risk factors in it. So that's the one thing. I mean, I'm a, I'm with you. I mean, the thing is, we don't necessarily have to argue about why it doesn't make sense for on that reason because the players are already behind it yeah. at this point. So. I, th- I think it gets done, and I think they, they either, like I said, they start playing a couple games, and then they jump right into the playoff. Um, but either either way, I, I think that one, like you said, it's a lot simpler and we're a lot closer, which is why it's weird we haven't set a deadline on mm-hmm. for things to get started. I'm hoping it's before July 4th, um, but right yeah. now it doesn't seem like, like – do you think that happens in the next month, month and a half? I mean, I, I would say it's more feasible for the NBA to return on that timeline than it is for baseball, which set a opening Who day date yeah. for July 4th. That move boggles my mind. Companies keep doing this. Everyone, are we going to the gym on Monday, by the way? Yeah, I mean, if it's open on there, man, I can't, I can't spend another day inside doing nothing. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I get what you're saying as far as, as, far as the dates. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense until you know for sure. You're just putting unrealistic optimism into people and, you know, putting more pressure on these players, which is not something they need to do at this point because those are the guys that are putting themselves at risk. Um, but, I mean, the fact is, yeah, NBA closer to returning, but, man, you, if you're just sitting back and looking at this, the one the one organization or, you know, whatever you want to call it, benefiting from this is the NFL. I mean, NFL has is, is got, got the benefit of just sitting back, seeing how these, team, how these leagues are going to logistically return, uh, what they're going to do. And NFL right now is already dominating the headlines when it comes to, uh, you know, free NFL free agency, NFL, NFL schedule. So, you know, they're going to have the formula return. I mean, you've seen a few of the ideas as far as no fans in the stands for the NFL. Uh, I think what Fox is possibly going to have virtual fans in the crowd, pumping in crowd, in crowd uh, sounds. So that'll be interesting. You know, Evan, I kind of had this idea a little off subject, but you know, I really think, you know, they could make a a little bit of this revenue back if they did some all access, maybe virtual reality stuff, as far as, you know, putting, sending the headsets in, giving these, these people unprecedented access where maybe they're going to be, have the idea of them sitting on the sidelines watching a game live. Well, if, if you're arguing that sports teams don't have the revenue to drum up some coronavirus tests, which by the way, just make extras of them. Like once again, make a warehouse, NFL, MLB, NBA, all come together, make a giant warehouse where all you do is print out testing kits and like you're you're the media's hero, by the way, which they can do. But you think they're you're not? Telling me that people aren't already trying to do that. But there isn't people out there that they are don't to have fund the it? trillion dollar capital, but those three companies have. Right. You think those companies who aren't willing to invest in that are going to go invest in what eight hundred whatever eighty thousand virtual reality helmets per stadium and implement them all? Oh, and, but it's not even them. If it's the, I don't know exactly the return on capital that. is so much lower on that than even trying to get the season low. I'd. I the VR idea is so bad, man. It's I think so it's, bad. I think it's an idea. You give no. you give fans access to locker rooms before the game. 
Uh, you know, they can go in there, have the idea that they're in there, and then on top of that, give them a view that they've never had before from the sidelines or maybe even set it up where they can do it on the field somehow. I know NBA did, like, sideline passes exactly, with VR, yeah. right? Okay, maybe there's one thing, and you, like, buy a subscription or something to it, but to actually put up, like we discussed the other day, putting up the VR no, the, things No, I'm seat. not saying you put it in each individual seat in the stadium and then you sell that ticket because yeah. that's ridiculous. Nobody's uh, going to want to buy a virtual reality yeah. and sit in the 400s that's, as yeah, opposed right, to watching yeah, it on yeah. TV. Nobody's going to do that. But uh, I'm, I'm just, in the nosebleeds, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, you can give them unprecedented access if you have if you have views from the sidelines, views from the field, and then on top of that, you give them access to the locker rooms where maybe they can be in there with the players, hear different things that they I, haven't heard before. I'm sure they will have plenty of new ideas to drum up residual income. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure, I would imagine commercial deals and stuff are going to go up too. The viewership on yeah. these games when they come back has got to be, like the projections have got to be insane, right? Yeah. July 4th baseball, that's going to break great. that's going to break the Super Bowl. It like would, it, it would be great. Can you imagine if there's no sports between now and July 4th and July 4th comes back with a couple of baseball games, everyone like my my cousins who don't watch sports are going to be watching that, you know? Like oh, it's, absolutely. Yeah. It's no, crazy. it's it's going to generate viewership. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it comes back. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm a little more skeptical now than I was a few months ago. I mean, if you would have told me there's no way sports is going to return this year, I would have said you're crazy. But man, it, it's seeming a little bit it's a little bit more likely. But at the same time, we're not losing all sports, Evan. And I mean, we talk about the NFL be- benefiting from this quarantine, but you know, the other the other organization that is winning this quarantine so far, UFC. We saw the first U.S. major U.S. sporting event. Uh, returned to action and really it didn't disappoint we had that UFC fight uh, Gaith G versus Ferguson man I'll tell you what I I'm not the biggest UFC fan I enjoy it but man I'll tell you what it was it was something else watching it actually happen it was you know it was a little bit it, it was a little ominous it gave us a glimpse into what uh, spectatorless sports would look like but and the intros were weird, you know, I and everything. You were say, but, Look, it was ominous because the guy almost died in front of our eyes. Yeah, man, that was brutal. Ferguson go down. That man. was brutal. Holy I mean, moly! I know they call him the boogeyman. I've only seen one Tony Ferguson fight before that, and it did not go that way. I, I, that was gruesome. Man. I have never seen in my life a guy take as many punches as for uh, punches that thirty-seven yeah, significant strikes. I uh, think it was. Uh, I mean, punches that should normally knock a human being out. Oh, yeah. I mean, that guy had to have taken well over twenty twenty five hits yeah. that would have normally knocked somebody oh, yeah. out and he never went down never, oh, yeah. i Absolutely. mean they called the fight initially but he, he got a little wobbly there for a couple times but yeah. the uh the no fans thing i feel like works for ufc you get to hear the pops more because there's a lot of times i feel like when you're watching the ufc and things slide off or like someone gets a hand up and it sounds different like that that pop sounds different than yeah. when you're hitting like the face or something like that and you can really you feel the difference there were a couple of those shots across mm-hmm. the face where normally it was like you know, you you react based off the crowd reaction and someone stumbling, but yeah. you could definitely hear the noise. Um, you you hear from like the fighters and stuff talking about how they could actually hear like Daniel Cormier exactly. and Joe Rogan the were talking. Greg Hardy changed yeah. per, in in the middle of this fight is his his strategy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's interesting. I think it's cool. Um, yeah. I think they're doing a great job with it. And then honestly, it's it's a bright shining light for the optimism that sports is going to come back. Props to Daniel White for getting this thing done so far. So yeah, no, I mean we we've talked about it. I mean going back to it, we even talked about you know the xfl i mean they how they could have stayed around r.i.p yeah obviously could have stayed around figured something out but yeah the ufc found a way to do it and obviously it helps a little bit since it is more of an individual sport as opposed to being a team sport but yeah it it was weird it it was weird and ominous but once the fight got it started going i mean it was just great to have it back live sports man it can't beat it so 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, obviously, they kind of gave a little bit of a glimpse of what the NFL, NBA is going to look like as far as spectator. But I mean, I think it can work, man. I think it's going to happen. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I said I'm a little bit more skeptical, but whenever it does return, it's going to be spectatorless. But hey, as long as we get it back, I'm happy. So. Man, well, Evan, that was awesome. You know, obviously, we 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 talk about sports returning. The thing I got to get you on, man, is that MJ documentary. It is. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't participate in the Last Dance oh, stuff. Oh, I've, man, I've seen clips. Stuff. I just haven't walked through the whole thing. I watched the one the other day about him talking about uh, he never asked his teammates to do anything he didn't yeah. do. That, that, the, last, the last two episodes were the best by uh, far. I mean, that was episode seven, eight. So we got the stuff. finale, uh, nine and 10 coming up on Sunday. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen because, I mean, you're getting unprecedented access into there. And I mean, some of the stuff that you're seeing in there is just, I don't know. It's just, it's very interesting. You know, I, I, I never liked, I never really was a big MJ proponent. Obviously, I respected, respected him for his game and everything. But, you know, it definitely makes him more human uh than it ever has before because before michael jordan's just this kind of mythological you Gambler. know person yeah that you know, exactly and they highlight that too but i mean man you got to get on it the documentary is fantastic because yeah. i've had nobody to talk about this with steven hasn't watched this i know i'm bumming you out man i know you uh, haven't watched I saw this? that uh i saw the uh the part where he bets the security guard when they're yeah, doing they, the coin flip game it's just funny to me that michael jordan freaks out when he loses 20 dollars. oh he 100 percent had a gambling yeah. problem 100 percent. so funny it's man. Just, i think it's just overshadowed by the fact that he's a billionaire and yeah, you're not know, gonna lose money but that, that always helps and the fact you know when you're that big of a winner you know i would i would nah, i'm not gonna say jordan won that much of his bets because he obviously made some pretty poor bets but yeah. if uh if he made more bets on the basketball court he wouldn't have gone out there and won them it's like the mlb thing they argue mm -hmm. about this too if, if jordan would have stayed with the mlb for five years he probably would have been successful because that's the kind of insanity that yeah. he had I mean, he had the work ethic i'm not gonna say yeah. he would have been successful in mlb he would he might have gotten there but you know well, it sounds like i need to binge uh Last dance eight hours definitely, tomorrow, definitely and uh, do, wrong, so we so. can talk about that last episode. Hey, we we need stuff to talk about. Obviously, sports. It, at, it seems like best case scenario we're getting early July at this point. So fingers uh, crossed, man. I know we need stuff to talk about here in the upcoming episodes, but we keep teasing it. We talked about it we're, uh, during quarantine. We got to come up with ideas, stuff that we'll talk about. Maybe greatest games of all time. We got to do another things. ranking thing. I feel like the uh, the greatest games had legs. I don't think we we didn't air that episode, did we? We didn't air that episode. It was a little raw. So you know, now that yeah. we're back in the studio, maybe we can kind of come clean up with that some little game plan. You know, yeah. Greg, are we here just on Fridays now, or, or what's, okay? Yep, Fridays. I, I would imagine the schedules opened up a little bit. Yeah. Come on now. Well, I mean, I, I don't know about that. I mean, obviously, we're still here. I mean, we got to take extra precautions. Yeah, that's but, true. Hey, we'll see. Yeah, no, we'll definitely have stuff coming out in the next few weeks. We obviously, need some Chuck Stradamus and Spiller back, too, so I have somebody to yell at. Sounds like Spiller's on lockdown. And Trina. Where's Trina? Is she, like, I haven't even Trina, heard from her. Trina has it been MIA, but you know what? She's been she's been helping the Rockets. I think it, Trina's probably at the forefront trying yeah. to get the NBA she's back and running. So Actually, she was the name hard. they left off that call. It was Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, LeBron, and Trina. That's right. Exactly. You know, they had an option they could have either brought james harden on the call or trina and i yeah. think they went with trina that's, so, hey it's the right that's, PR reason, move, that's honestly, why that's so. why harden wasn't on oh man well hey that's all the time that we have for today thank you guys so much for tuning in uh as always evan thanks for coming on braving the elements coming out here greg as always we always give a shout we need, always need to give a shout out to greg uh working hard here in the studios keep the station up and running uh but make sure you tune in next week we're gonna have more stuff for you and then as we said in the upcoming weeks we'll definitely be pumping some interesting stuff out there for you guys to listen to but you've been listening to wildcard sports on clear lake today radio